meet you, dude. How's it going? Yeah, you too. Good. Yeah. Starting starting Saturday off, with, you know, from with a good start. So um, no complaints, you know. Nice. So yeah. it's the morning over there with you. Yep. Just gone nine a.m. So yeah, in the future, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's is that Auckland, New Zealand? No, I'm I'm in Sydney. Sydney. Oh, okay. uh, you're in Australia. But All right. yeah, for now, mm-hmm. um, yeah, from like we're uh, my my wife and I, you know, we're both from New Zealand, and we've spent the last ten years getting further away, and now we're kind of like slowly going back. <laughs> so. Damn. And you know, um, with with COVID and everything, it's accelerating that even more now. So I think probably sometime next year we'll we'll start heading back to New Zealand. Um, wow. So uh, you know, and which will be nice. Mm-hmm. I definitely miss it. So that's your yeah. that's your native country or the country you. Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, I mean, yeah, born and raised in New Zealand, but uh, you know, uh, I was. Um, blessed, I guess you could say, with American citizenship as well. I don't like. I'm still, especially these days, I'm still trying to figure out if having a U.S. citizenship is a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, especially when you don't live there. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, New Zealand is definitely what I consider home um, for the most part. That's cool. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's it's a good place. I recommend it. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say like. It seems like a lot of people are making the pilgrimage over there for many different yeah. reasons. But how do you feel about that? Is like, are you bothered by it? Um, I mean, it depend. It's a case by case basis, right? Like, if yeah. it's like your Peter Thiel's or whatever, yeah. then it's like, then it's like, okay, fuck them, <laughs> you know. And but you know, if it's people who just want a calmer life and and are happy to like are interested in New Zealand culture and want to contribute to it in a positive way, then, um, yeah, I've, I've no, no animosity towards that. And mm-hmm. thankfully, thankfully the New Zealand government's been fairly smart and, um, I guess, uh, limiting like the purchase of, uh, real estate if mm-hmm. you're not a New Zealand citizen. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's, that's helped. That's helped a lot in terms of reducing some of the, you know, slightly rising xenophobia mm-hmm. in, you know, not only in New Zealand, but the rest of the world. But, uh, that's, yeah. that's definitely helped push that back down in New Zealand. Like people are less worried about, uh, foreign interests now, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Damn. by the way, is, can you, is my, is my accent like easy to understand for you? Like I yeah. know sometimes folks will, will find it difficult, but, uh, so I'm always cognizant of that. It's not too bad at all. It's I can make it out. Oh, oh good. Yeah, I've I've lost I've lost some of my New Zealand accent over the years, but now that I've been in Australia, I'm like kind of getting parts of it back. <laughs> is it is it like similar um, similar accents at all? Like yeah, certain things. Yeah, for sure. It's like um, to the uninitiated to the uninitiated person like. The Australian and New Zealand accent is like the Canadian and like like American accent, yeah. I guess. Like, yeah. Even though I would say those are a bit closer, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, Australian accents like 
higher pitched and yeah. in my opinion at least and <laughs> would often would often like end a end a statement or a, a sentence with like an upwards intonation mm-hmm. like it, that's a really specific thing to know but it's definitely one thing i've i've always thought of the australian accent but mm. um and if you ask me to describe what the new zealand accent was i wouldn't be able to tell you <laughs> <laughs> i just know i haven't <laughs> did you ever watch that uh that show with um the two dudes from new zealand i forget what it's called flight of the concords yeah watch i watched that? a little bit of it yeah. um funny story uh back in my university days mm-hmm. um i had a friend that it was e- it was either himself or his a friend of his uh lived very close to one of those guys houses in yeah. uh in the city wellington where um they're both from or yeah. they were living at the time at least mm-hmm. and um this was kind of uh, just after flight of the concords got big but uh yeah one of either my friend or his friend I, it's so long ago like stole lawn furniture from one of their ha- from from the front from the front of one of their houses <laughs> just as like a dumb you know you know drunken night you know in a university town kind of mm-hmm. uh escapade yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah that's that's my connection to flight of the concords right <laughs> yeah. yeah cool man all right yeah, yeah. we can let's get started then yeah, um definitely so uh where shall we begin i guess like getting into design yeah but or like in university and stuff yeah so uh what you studied media design is that right correct yep and so is that yeah. like video and other and site yeah or? it's it's a weird it's a strange term uh i i kind of i kind of always struggled to like explain what it meant because if you see media design and then I tell you, mm-hmm. uh, or tell someone, they would be like, huh, I didn't get that from media design. And right. kind of, I think a lot of people could read it and misconstrue it as like, uh, advertising or something to do with television mm-hmm. perhaps, yeah. or, you know, I mean, those like, that's a pretty obvious connection to try and make, but really what it was, um, uh, it was kind of this, specialization within a new kind of program that the university i went to which was uh university of um victoria wellington or mm. v v u w i guess mm. um basically they had this program called the bachelor of design innovation <laughs> which is the wankiest title you could you could you could think of like no one wants like no pressure great you have to innovate in this degree um and basically what that meant though is they wanted to create a program which um the things it taught you in the realm of design were a lot more were less about like it's a trade and we just want to teach you how like the principles of graphic design and Mm -hmm. how to use photoshop and then send you on your way or Mm -hmm. like how to do screen printing and then send you on your on your way it was more um you know design and technology are one and the same and we they recognize that and how can we then construct a program that brings in more aspects of like anthropology and politics and you know any parts of society that we think um uh, that or that the that the, the university thought uh 
I guess, design thinking could be applied. Um, mm. So, uh, you know, industries that needed to be rethought, they, their hypothesis for this degree was like design is a big, should be a big part of that. And so within that kind of intent, media design was basically um, how can we use aspects of like computers and computation mm. to create interesting um like i don't want to say experiences because that just sounds like advertising but like um like how can we solve problems through computational design basically mm-hmm. um and that's kind of like the high level and what that kind of boiled down to was um a whole slew of teaching folks um like aspects like it was very programming heavy mm-hmm. um i'll have to say so for example our first year program was like teaching teaching the classic design skill of iteration. You know, you start with an idea, you make a hundred different versions of it, and then probably out of that you'll get the winning idea, or you know, it'll be mm-hmm. battle tested, right? So yeah. they would do that. They would teach us that through programming. So you start with a you know a simple line of code that draws a circle on the screen, and it's like okay. What changes can you make to make the circle move or you know uh duplicate itself or, or do whatever and from from that process of like making small incremental changes you come out each each kind of student would come out with like a completely different end result um you know whether it be someone totally neglected 2d circles and made 3d spheres and you know made some kind of crazy animation or, or whatever mm. but again the the whole point was like teaching the principle of iteration through i guess like new media is it, well i mean it's kind of old media at this point old new <laughs> media but yeah. but um you know t- teaching these classic principles through um kind of newer forms of technology i right. guess is, is the best way i could describe it so right um that that's kind of i guess why um i would never like i mean I literally didn't study it, but I would never consider myself a like graphic designer. And that's mm. purely because I just know I'm, I don't have the skills to, to like call myself one or the confidence, let's say. Mm. So I, I've always gravitated towards design through programming and computers and, and stuff like that. Um, and right. creating, creating stuff with non-visual or, you know, creating stuff with code and not just like, drawing things in photoshop and, and stuff like that now was it was the code that you were messing with was that like html was that java um it okay. was the across across the whole kind of program like the, the the degree it was it was kind of starting with some basics so an, an incredibly popular um kind of language uh and, and environment language combination that's used in kind of academic context is called processing hmm. um which was created by, um, I can't remember the two guys' names. I think it was, I remember their first names, but forgot their last names, so I just won't bother trying. But basically some MIT, um, either um, students or um, like faculty uh, or alumni, and, and basically it was a kind of a, I think the website is processing.org, but um, it's basically a kind of, simple programming language like simplified i guess not simple necessarily but mm-hmm. simplified programming language to draw 
and create uh, graphics. Um, and it's based on Java, mm -hmm. um, which is a fairly common, uh, uses a fairly common like syntax mm -hmm. and, and for its language. Um, so that, that's what we started with. And then from there, uh, you know, we moved on to, you know, more, I guess, consumer friendly languages, like, you know, like you said, like creating stuff on the web with HTML and, mm -hmm. and then JavaScript. Um, and, you know, did some more esoteric stuff like, um, a popular like 3d rendering software. I mean, popular at the time at least was called, uh, Maya. Um, and, and you know, used mm -hmm. to create 3d models, but it also had a, uh, API, uh, backend or API, uh, layer so that you could actually write, uh, code and then execute it. And then the program would just generate 3d models based on the code. You wouldn't have to like, you know, click and point and sculpt, uh, right. like you would in a normal 3d, 3d software. So that was using Python, um, which was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a, a different a different ranges a different range of different languages, but really it was all um, like it was never focused on like how like what the language is about and like the computer science principles behind the language. It mm -hmm. was more like this is just a way to facilitate creativity. Yeah. Um, uh, which was which was always nice to like just be taught enough to then be dangerous and not kind of get bogged down in like you know, well, the history of Python came from blah, blah, blah. And it's yeah. just like, you know, it, most of us didn't care about that. Or if we mm -hmm. wanted to know, we'd go read Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they made it a point to not make, to make sure you guys didn't get married to the technology you're using. This was just the tool on your toolbox. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which honestly, I think is a, um, that that's, that's definitely something. And that's a pretty good way to I think, frame it and, and kind of how, uh, I've kind of, I approach things today in terms of like, um, you know, what people perhaps sometimes consider design is like, you're really good at using a piece of software, but like, uh, design a lot of the time, it's, it's like a certain level of consideration for process and research and, and, you know, the thinking behind something, which is why, you know, sometimes I'll have engineering colleagues or friends that'll say to me oh can you teach me how to be good at design and it's like you you kind of already as an engineer for example you already practice elements of that mm -hmm. and uh you know often design is yeah like mistaught as like oh design is like photoshop or design is knowing what uh typography to use for yeah. example like and those are elements of it but um yeah it's definitely like these are all tools to actually execute on this idea or this intent yeah. um so th that's that's definitely it wasn't for everyone and yeah. some people definitely in the program wanted more of that traditional like teach me an industry i guess mm -hmm. um which you know which is a fine thing to expect but um i did enjoy the program how it was so it was so loose and didn't pigeonhole you and it was just like here's all this stuff we're gonna create an environment for you to learn and and try and execute mm -hmm. on ideas was this a, was this like a, a, a more rare of, of a class? I'm stumbling over my words because I'm trying to think of the best way to sure. put it. But like it, experimental, you mean? Were, were there other schools kind of. doing this same class or was there only a few around um, the world or whatever? 
I mean, I I mean, I would say in in New Zealand at least, mm. I didn't know of too many other, uh, at least at the time, schools that were doing this um uh, <clears throat> this kind of uh style. Mm. I guess uh, the competing university in the same city, um, which was Massey University, uh, had a lot more of a uh, like a traditional design program. Um, that was more like, I mean, having not gone through it, I can't really critique it obviously, but Mm -hmm. from the outside and when I was, uh, like looking at what university to apply, it was, it was definitely more like one is more, uh, current teaching you the skills of current industry. And then the one I ended up going to was, yeah, like more abstract and conceptual, um, uh, of a style. Um, and you know, I think there was already places in Europe and, you know, far before it started in New Zealand that were already doing this kind of stuff, um, maybe in the United States too, but in the case of New Zealand, it was uh, the first I had heard of. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it just kind of, it felt uh, at the time as a prospective student, it felt like boundless, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. like, oh, look at all these possibilities, which, you know, when you're a university wanting to make money off students, uh, is probably a good selling point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What year was that? That uh, years that you were uh, at university. That was two thousand and end of two thousand eight, uh, beginning of two thousand nine. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So so that it was a one year course. Uh, three year, three, three year. year course. Okay, yeah, that's when you they had a they had a master's program as well, but uh, I like by the second year I was like, yep, I know what I want to do for a job, so I don't want to stay in like the academic circles for too long. Right. Yeah. Wow. So coming out of there, what was it like looking for um, the next step? Was it? You, um, you it a, wasn't. Yeah. Sorry. Did you want to finish? This? No, I was just, it sounded like you had a good idea of like what you, of what capabilities you had that you didn't want to stick around. You said, mm-hmm. I, I just knew I wanted like at the time, um, what so this was 2000 like when i graduated it was it was 20 at the end of 2011 i guess mm-hmm. around about and like i don't know the iphone had just come out or mm-hmm. like in the last couple of years and like everyone was into apps and new ways of you know thinking about the, like web technologies and all of that so i was very much enthralled for better or worse in the you know the notion of like i want to make apps and 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 get into that stuff because you know again being in uh being in new zealand it's like you know it's pretty isolated like not as isolated perhaps as like i don't know some countries but mm-hmm. in, in terms of technology uh, while technology uh kind of proliferates in new zealand fast it it comes to new zealand slowly mm-hmm. i guess is the way to describe it and um you know looking at you know on the internet at the time and early social media it's like oh i see everyone in you know the united states like doing these cool making these cool designs for these cool apps and i mean i use cool very subjectively (laughs) um but but uh yeah it was like it seemed like the hot thing and as a as a young naive designer it was like i want to do that and i kind of already knew that like i said halfway through my uh studies and was just keen to kind of wrap it up and mm-hmm. and get on to I don't know it sounds really lame in retrospect but like get on to like start making apps and mm-hmm. you know 
not make a business but like contribute to consumerism (laughs) kind of of thing like you know i mean as you get bored in that like academic circles sometimes and you kind of just want to get out and start making things happen so i mean i'm sure it's a common uh a common feeling um many people have um don't want to be stuck in a dusty uh lecture hall Mm -hmm. you know yeah so what was uh the first gig you got then or was it like a self-initiated project um so uh kind of straight out of uh graduating i basically uh actually worked at the the university for a little bit Mm -hmm. um kind of kind of helping with some web-based uh uh projects like it wasn't anything uh kind of um i guess portfolio worthy it was more just like hey we need we got some spare cash and we want something for a you know class that we're doing can you whip something up so uh, you know it was a nice like little comfy gig um Mm -hmm. uh and i already knew the people because most of them were my old lecturers um but uh through basically um basically my uh one of my lecturers knew uh someone at the time who who i would very much consider a uh design hero of mine um Mm. who i'm happy his his name's jared bishop he's a he's a designer back in new zealand um he he used to work at an agency um called resin which is spelled r-e-s-n um and they were down the street from the university and you know through one thing or another i just got talking to them and they had an internship position open. Um, and I, you know, got, got the job basically for Mm. a six month, uh, kind of internship, um, uh, which is, you know, not your traditional internship length, obviously, but they were just like, Hey, we need a junior person. You're definitely junior. Uh, why don't you come in and you'll do a combination of, uh, wallpaper, our uh studio and write javascript and do some design in photoshop and you know get mm-hmm. paid to do it you know which yeah. is the nice thing obviously so i just said hell yes and did that for six months um and uh kind of at the time that was happening um i had started uh having some discussions with um uh, facebook at the time as mm-hmm. well so um you know, knowing that this internship might not be a, you know, constant thing. And, uh, so I was, you know, still on the lookout for like other positions, whether they're in New Zealand or, you know, if I really got lucky elsewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the conversation with Facebook purely came through, uh, honestly just following someone on Twitter. Like that's the best, that's the best way I can describe it. (laughs) Um, uh, they, you know, I, I had followed, um, this designer, uh, uh, his name's Rasmus Anderson. Um, mm. and you know, he took, I guess the best way I could describe it is took pity on me. He had saw her as a recent graduate. He knew that Facebook was hiring. Um, he, he was working there at the time. And, um, basically all he said was like, Hey, we're applying or we're accepting applicants. If you have a portfolio, um, you know, put it on the pile and, and, you know, maybe you'll get lucky kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, 
I can't remember the, how much time it took to hear back from them, but um, eventually I got a offer to interview. And about six months later, after starting that process, around the time when I was wrapping up at, at Resin, uh, I then got an offer to um, basically move to California and, and join the team wow. um, at, at Facebook. So that's incredible. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, I. This is. I guess we're, we're talking at the beginning of the call, like about citizenship and, and things like that. Yeah. This is purely one of those situations where, um, and one, obviously I feel very fortunate to position to be in, but, um, I wouldn't have gotten the job had I not had a United States citizenship. Um, and they had actually, they had actually rejected me. Um, and then by, by, on the virtue of visa grounds, like, Hey, uh, we can't, we can't get any more visas. So sorry. We have to like cut things off. Um, and then I said, Hey, I'm a U.S. citizen. And <laughs> literally like a week or so later, they came back and said, Oh, here's an offer. Wow. Um, like, cause you can just come into the country and start working. Um, that's crazy. And yeah, so it's, it, that was a really, um, powerful or, you know, poignant reminder of how powerful, a, and, and you know privileged it is i guess to have a united states citizenship and uh, under certain circumstances mm-hmm. um so you know that that definitely helped um kind of i guess begin my expedition outside of new zealand and and uh working working in i guess in the design industry as as a i mean eventually i guess you could say a professional or a career designer um, yeah, you get an uh, offer to move across the globe for it. That's pretty substantial, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, I, you know, with everything, especially, uh, um, you know, these days that you hear in the media and reporting regarding like Facebook and its and its practices and things like that, yeah. I would definitely say that um, my uh, it, my tenure at Facebook. I'm glad it was, wasn't incredibly long. And one of the reasons it wasn't incredibly long was because I didn't, I definitely could say I didn't have the best experience. Mm. Um, and that, that wasn't necessarily the, the company as a whole, but very specific people or interactions made it, you know, made it, made me realize, I guess, Oh, this isn't the place I want to work for the rest of my life kind of thing. It's like, what purpose am I serving here? Um, I'm not really sure what that is and I I want to spend my time doing something a lot more um, you know I guess d- designers want to do things that uh, feel at times I guess quite objective right mm-hmm. so they because so you have some kind of signal that what I'm doing matters or what I'm doing actually um, you know if I'm making a product for a customer is an example I want to know that that person is actually empowered by their use of it whereas mm-hmm. with a product like facebook especially as we see it today like you you don't know who it's serving and what its purpose is and that's um right. you know proving to be a dangerous thing you know so yeah. um yeah it was but it was definitely a, a very formative experience as a junior designer and mm-hmm. very much a junior designer i, I was never uh I went into that situation really not knowing what to expect and and what it meant to be a designer at a tech company or in tech or, or anything like that. Um, 
and it definitely yeah, it taught me very quickly what I liked doing, what I didn't like doing, and what I was really bad at. <laughs> so uh, you know, for better or for worse, it was a very formative time to kind of uh, I guess fast track my fast track my principles as a designer. I guess like you could say like. Mm-hmm. I soon learned what I liked, didn't like, and uh, what felt worth doing in life. <laughs> right. Now, were yeah. they, um, were they because you kind of, you went to school for something that was not mm. quite broad scope, mm. was was that mm. one of the reasons that they were like, you know, they're on the, they're on the cutting edge of what's going on, so they're like, we need to pull in these people that have, you know, this kind of education a little bit more abstract um, education i don't i don't think so necessarily mm. i don't i don't i mean it could have been it wasn't ever made aware to me because honestly a lot of my colleagues mm. at the time uh like you know it, it wasn't that long ago but mind you back in 2000 like between 2010 and 2012 the concept of like a digital product designer or something like that was like still quite a foreign uh or, or not foreign like like infantile concept, I guess, mm-hmm. like digital products and the, 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 the digital industry was still kind of growing and, and forming compared to what it is today. And, um, so a lot of my colleagues did actually have more of a traditional, uh, like graphic design or communication design background mm-hmm. and not explicitly like involved in programming and, and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. at least, you know, generalization, but that that's kind of, what I remember. Um, so no, I think it was more the opposite and that that's what I, I thought Facebook would be like an interesting, uh, thing because of this technology I was into, but you know, I, I don't think at the end of the day that was necessarily true. (laughs) At the end of the day, it's still a business that wants to make millions of dollars and, you know, is, as we've seen is, is going to try to do whatever it takes irrespective of like cool technology <laughs> yeah. so Damn. Um, so yeah. were you there when they bought instagram then yes wow. i <laughs> i had just joined i think yeah it was around the time i just joined wow. um and yeah there was it was an interesting time i didn't i mean this is how like i i hadn't ever owned like any kind of not that they were prolific back then but i had never owned a smartphone or any kind of like Mm -hmm. high-tech device like that until i had moved to uh united states and started working in in silicon valley like you know i had had some old busted up macbook pro that i had carried through me all the way through university but i'd never known about like like despite my i guess interest in like making apps and and digital products and stuff i'd never owned an iphone or you know barely used one and so i didn't even know what instagram was at the time (laughs) (laughs) like that's how out of it i was um but you know sure sure know now what it is and um, (laughs) wow yeah it was it was a uh yeah i can't i mean i have again i have really no knowledge on whether instagram was a good thing to buy or a bad thing or you know right. whether it's a good product or not i mean i don't yeah i don't to this day i i still don't really use it i don't have an account or anything but um yeah it was definitely a controversial uh topic within the company i would say mm-hmm. um 
like when I when I joined, yeah, they just bought Instagram or going through the purchase, and then when I left, they had just bought Oculus, I think. Um, so yeah, kind of bookended two two large, <laughs> contro- equally controversial acquisitions, I would say. Wow. Um, not that I really have a strong opinion about either. That was mm. just how it, how it ended up. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, interesting. So when you left there, did you stay in America, or is that when you went to Japan, or? Yeah, I stayed. I stayed for about a year. Um, basically, uh, I worked at a um, New Zealand company, actually in in San Francisco, for for about a year. It's called uh, Zero, which is spelled with an X, so X E R O, and mm-hmm. it's basically. Um, you know, it's a big it's a big deal in New Zealand. It's it's basically web based accounting software. Mm-hmm. Is is like like your I don't know what what's big in America like QuickBooks or something like that. Yeah. Like Intuit's stuff. Um, and it's really I don't know. Maybe it sounds kind of sad to say this, but like I kind of wanted to work on a product like that that is maybe considered boring because of how uh at least as a product that is used by like small businesses it felt really objective Mm -hmm. it was like a hard swing and like the objective uh towards objectivity in terms of like businesses need this to do very specific things and the you're you're gonna know at least in comparison to a social media product you're gonna know whether these customers are feeling like they're achieving things based on what your product what your product is doing for them so um that was that was honestly as far as my thought process went when mm-hmm. joining a company like that um and it, it was a great time to work there um and you know didn't didn't last too long because yeah like you said uh basically from that like you know after a year or so there we moved to japan and you know i zero doesn't exist in asia or at least didn't at the time so mm-hmm. it was goodbye to that but yeah it was a nice it was a nice little stint to work for um a new zealand company did you have enough of cali you were just over it at that yeah, point um i don't like this is this is a weird thing to say but um in total in my life i maybe have spent like a total of five years in the United States, like mm-hmm. overall, because I, I lived there very when I was very young for a couple of years. And um, whether it's California or uh, other places, um, I could just I could never feel at home, mm-hmm. D- despite even being a legal citizen. It just never felt like home. And you know, um, aspects of American culture, I I could just never get into Mm -hmm. like um you know for for example uh um when i when i was first moved to the united states i I think this was around the time of the was it uh like obama romney uh election Mm -hmm. like i think i I can't remember if that it was obama and someone um and you know uh i mean as we're saying today politics is a uh, a huge issue in the United States for, for a lot of, you know, I think important reasons and being in New Zealand where we have politics, but it's, it's kind of like, it doesn't dominate everything, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, also New Zealand is, has a, le- has a more centrist, uh, 
uh, like political spectrum. So like maybe less divisive, but you know, everyone in the United States at the time was talking about the election and um, its importance. And, and, you know, obviously it's important when you have your first, um, uh, I guess, presidential candidate who's um, African-American and, and what have you. But I was just like, I didn't have any opinion about it because mm-hmm. I didn't consider myself, I guess, American. And that that's like a good example. And when I told, when people ask me like, oh, what's your opinion? Like, you, you know, you got to pick a side in, in this political debate or whatever. And I was like, I don't, I can't, I don't know. Like I, I can have superficial opinions, but I don't know. And like, mm-hmm. that was like a, that's like a, I guess an example of uh, like, you know, I, I was just kind of totally outside of the American kind of bubble or cultural bubble, mm-hmm. I guess. And that was definitely something that I always struggled with when living there. It's just like, I couldn't, I couldn't really get into it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was, I, I ultimately, it was kind of like one reason why I, I decided to leave. And, you know, I mean, again, I had the, I had the privilege and the ability to be able to leave being a dual citizen. So, I mean, I, I was very fortunate in that, in that case, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I considered, I considered myself for a, an American f- for all legal reasons, but none of the cultural reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I had had enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, as beautiful as, as California is, I I had had enough of just the whole, you know, American package at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I could say, but um, and yeah, it was it was kind of time to move on and uh, try something completely different and literally foreign to myself, like like Japan. Yeah. Um, so so yeah that's that's kind of it was a very snap decision uh basically my fiance at the time was living uh living outside of the united states and i was living there and we were just like this sucks being apart let's pick a place and go and Mm -hmm. she was fortunate enough to get a job transfer to tokyo and sent me a dm one day and was like i got the job i'm moving i'll see you there um and so i'll now my task was to figure out how to get to japan (laughs) that's intense (laughs) yeah um but yeah after after a couple months of just applying at jobs and and talking to some people i knew over there um you know eventually landed uh a job at a small startup um and you know i wasn't i wasn't moving there to like you know find an amazing startup or or it wasn't like a career opportunity move. Obviously it was Mm. like, let's just do something completely different, immerse ourselves again in uh, completely like, you know, literally foreign and different culture in comparison to the United States and, and, you know, experience what it's like being a, um, you know, I I guess a guest in a foreign country. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Especially, you know, in, in terms of like, an Asian country in, compar- in comparison to a Western country. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, that was, it was a really wonderful experience, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And how long were you in Japan for? Uh, just about three years. Three. About the same amount of time mm-hmm. I was in the United States the second time around. So, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely. And it was, it was kind of enough time for us to, like, realized that because uh, you know in that time uh you know we got married and and you know obviously the next step after that is like you want to 
maybe start thinking about doing more things related to domestic life, you know, mm-hmm. buying a house or what have you. And um, Japan, as great as a, as a country it is, it, it is, has a system that will, um, you know, it always works against foreigners in, in many ways, mm. um, whether that's just, you know, uh, like cultural disapproval or systemic, like, you know, um, yeah. kind of problems and stuff like that. But uh, it was just a, it's like, you really want to have, to, you really want to live there for a strong reason if you want to put down roots. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's obviously easy if you're, um, you know, married to someone who's Japanese or is like, or your yourself is completely fluent in Japanese, which, um, you know, myself or my wife were not, but we knew enough to like live and go through daily life. But, um, yeah, it was, it was never like a long-term thing because it's just, it's extra stress that we didn't need, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, that, that was ultimately why we decided to, to, uh, to leave and, and come back to the Southern hemisphere. Right on. Yeah. And that's when you so, made the move to Australia? Yeah, yeah. And that was really the only real strong reason I had, we had for that was like we just weren't ready to go back to New Zealand. <laughs> it felt like, you know, going from living in one of the most densely populated cities like Tokyo uh, and then moving to like, you know, a small to mid-sized city in New Zealand, it would, you know... I feel like if you do that, you might get depressed uh, if, if you're not careful because you're just going from like one potential extreme to another. Mm. Um, so you know, Australia was like, um, you know, as as New Zealand citizens, we can we can live here um, like without any additional visa. Oh, so, cool. Uh, yeah, it it just made it like um, a very easy choice. So mm-hmm. yeah. Did you have to start the job search all over again? Uh, we, we were fortunate enough to actually be able to keep our jobs, um, by virtue of the companies that we worked for at the time, uh, both had offices here. Um, so with a little bit of, uh, negotiation, uh, we were able to basically move here and not have to change our employment, which I mean, change it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. yeah, we worked in the same, on the same things, uh, for the same people. So, um, that was, that was definitely a um a driver in the decision to kind of move to to australia first as opposed to new zealand wow yeah Yeah. um are you guys in the dense area of australia yeah we're we're right in the middle of sydney Mm -hmm. um you know we not not too far from uh i guess downtown but still in some suburbs but Mm -hmm. uh yeah um i i'm unfortunately i i really don't know much about Australia, despite living so close to it for so long in New mm. Zealand, and uh, this is honestly my first time, like other than coming once for like a Christmas holiday, this is my first time living it, like being in Australia for any extended period of time. So everything's very new to me, and and the like learning the differences between the culture and 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 stuff like that, <laughs> even though so similar to New Zealand, but also so different. Yeah. Um, um, but uh yeah no it's it's good though I, i've definitely enjoyed it um and you know sydney's sydney's an okay city it's mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure people that were born and raised here will have opinions that contrast this but i mean for me uh 
at least Sydney anyway, it feels like just one of those Western cities that's like any other Western city, you know? <laughs> hmm. It's like, it's very, um, I mean, compared to other cities in Australia, Sydney probably has the least, like, like culture, I guess you could say, or like right. uh, unique, unique vibes, if, if that's, you know, not a technical term, but... Uh, like a little um, more touristy? yeah yeah exactly like it's a it's kind of a sydney's like a, a finance center mm -hmm. um and you know new south wales is like i guess the the most populous state in in uh, australia so you know with sydney being um i think sydney's the capital of this of new south wales but, <laughs> i mean it's the big it's the biggest city in in the state so um you know it's central for a lot of the economy here so right it, that makes sense. because of that I, I think there's not a lot of room for like uh some aspects of like more interesting culture you could say mm -hmm. um but you know again i'm sure i'm sure people that were born and raised here will have stronger opinions on that <laughs> yeah yeah damn you know? how's the food there it's good if you if you actually that's one thing about it that was really nice in that mm. there's um you know i mean myself and my wife we we love asian food i mean obviously living in asia will do that uh to you and there's a lot of good variety of food here mm. um you know there's a lot of a lot of good uh i guess uh kind of home home cooked chinese food or traditional chinese food and like you know korean food as well and um you know japanese if you look hard enough so um mm. yeah no it's it's great uh it's a you know again it's not a bad city by any means it has a lot of good stuff but um and food is one of them but mm -hmm. uh yeah it's like it's you know it's just a city it's yeah, like, yeah. you know some cities are like you know it's got this arty vibe or it's got this like you know like you know it's a university town so it's like big into sports or something but like right. sydney i'm just like ah it's just it's just a city <laughs> mm -hmm. right on um you mentioned you kind of got into school right when uh, the iphone was coming out yeah um, and i kind of threw this idea past you about like the push for mobile and i mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i I after I had asked you to to be on the podcast, I found myself on some yeah. kind of mobile site, and it was just like I can't, I could not zoom out and just see where I need to what what information I needed to go to. I had to keep yeah. scrolling through full screen stuff and xing out these full screen ads, mm. and it just made me think about like maybe we pushed too hard to go mobile. Like, there, is there any ergonomics really to holding your phone? Like we pushed that everything to be here, but we didn't really think about why it needed to be here, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really, uh, interesting topic. And I mean, it's this, like my mind, like when thinking on the topic, my mind kind of gravitates towards like so much of, I mean, looking at, looking at it at the lens that we're, we have now, as opposed to like right. you know, when the iPhone was first released, like, yeah every everything regarding mobile um has been honed for like some form of engagement right mm -hmm. like it's right. it's kind of you know the original pitch for the iphone it's like 
you know what, whatever Steve Jobs said. He was like, "It's a web browser. It's your email app. It's it's a phone. And you can take like it was very utilitarian, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's just like now our, these devices are like entertainment portals for clicks and eyeballs and and stuff like that, right? So mm-hmm. I think there is there is a um, there is a, a negativity that can be. I think can be seen in like a lot of the design patterns and interactions and stuff that are created for, um, you know, I guess in this case, like experiencing content on a mobile device these days. Um, and yeah, a lot of them have been both, both driven and, uh, like innovated on because people want other people to be engaged so they can earn money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know, that's, it's it's kind of a real it's a bit of a bummer of a a statement but like i feel like some of that is like there's some truth to that you know Mm -hmm. definitely (laughs) um yeah um but i don't know i mean there's a i think there's a lot of uh um you know more i guess more neutral um aspects of mobile technology that that are quite interesting um for example you know because of mobile technology, I think in the consciousness, there's been more discussion about um, like peer-to-peer communication, mm-hmm. which is like not not explicitly a design topic, but like in terms of technology and 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 people thinking about it more. Um, you know, if everyone has some kind of device on them, um, there's po- there's potential more opportunity for uh, you know more secure or peer-to-peer and and theoretically more secure communication that's not like centralized right you know um um, which you know is quite an interesting topic in in the tech and and design communities but um so you know that it's obviously it's not prolific at the moment even though it is possible because you know there's no way to uh monetize it i guess right yeah (laughs) so so that's why we don't hear a lot about it and everyone wants to keep you focused on a on a facebook or a youtube or a netflix or whatever but um there are definitely are positives that i think are coming about um in in, perhaps not so much behind the scenes but just getting like uh, are not as apparent um that are that are happening because of mobile technology right Um, so um yeah i think you know it's a positive it's a positive you know technological leap but it's it's often suppressed by um you know, mainstream use cases. Right. Um, Yeah. It's like, um, everybody's married to this, uh, what's that, what's it called? Something model, like advertising model (laughs) as like the way to go about doing it when this, there's other ways to go about it. Like sometimes you just build something that's really cool and useful and that's why people gravitate towards it too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's kind of like I see uh, a lot of people kind of my my age, you know, which is like around 30 or, or what have you kind of think back to, I mean, even old, older people, honestly, think back to like, you know, someone someone said a while ago, I can't remember where I saw it, probably Twitter. And, and someone was like, remember when Dropbox was just like this unintrusive thing that sits on your desktop and like you can store files and it just you know it sits there out of the way and you know you don't think about it 
and now like if you try and install Dropbox I'm sure on your computer it's like this real lengthy kind of uh, you know um, optimized like for some kind of metric uh, like like company based metric uh, you know to get you to do something to engage with something you know and Mm -hmm. you know Dropbox as a company now is very much more of a like we want to be Google Docs or or like you know Microsoft Word or you know some kind of larger productivity thing, right? Which yeah. you know that's how that's what happens to companies they scale. But like it, like that idea of like remember we just had this simple thing and it did one thing and mm-hmm. it was nice and we didn't have to think about it and we weren't worried if it was gonna like leak our information to the NSA or something yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It, like I think there's definitely a there's becoming more of a um, like a nostalgia for that stuff, which is is then re- kind of re influencing like some of the new things that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's almost like this this renaissance to like you know want to go back to um, oh, I guess renaissance is the wrong word, but like this pull for nostalgia that is actually like turning us away from like where we're at right now because we're like oh no we've gone too far in one direction we want to yeah. we should we should kind of move back to a more sim- like simplified use of technology yes. uh, for, yeah. for our benefit you know i have an idea i want to bounce off you i i've been yeah brain thinking let's hear it okay so i i just watched um the ios 14 had had came out recently the yes. past week or so yep. And then I watched The Social Dilemma, all within about the, a two-week span of each other. Yep. And uh, I had a I had a brain fart in my head that Apple and Android, depending, I don't know, I don't know how their attitudes are, but I could see, yep. especially Apple, looking at these social media platforms as like, as like barnacles on their on their ship, you know, like everybody's talking shit on on looking on at your phone, but realistically, it's these kind of parasitic algorithms more so yes. than it is like the phone itself is actually crazy useful like the technology is awesome it's this crap where like you know showing you stuff that you don't really even want to see or you already saw You're like come on so like my idea was what if like so with, with the new ios 14 update you can have messages pinned at the top with the circles as, okay, so, as right. soon as i saw those circles i was like it feels like all Apple has to do is flick a button and then those turn into stories and then we don't even have to deal with Instagram anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, in a way that's kind of Apple's business model. Um, but, and it's similar to Facebook's I'll have to admit, like, I mean, or any big company, right. It's like, you see, you know, you're a platform, um, like, like an Apple mm-hmm. uh, who, or who owns the iPhone and the iPhone is the platform and you have, uh, you know, smart people building products for that platform, like an Instagram or a Facebook or, you know, or, or what have you. Um, and then as the platform owner, or you can then kind of cherry pick the interesting parts of what those other people are making and mm-hmm. then make it the core of your own operating system, for yeah. example. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty common, uh, strategy i guess i mean i even android's done it to it because i in the recent years i've switched over to android just to try something different and mm-hmm. uh yeah it's it's been 
it's been similar. Like I've seen stuff that have been has been popularized by certain you know social media products or, or apps or any kind of app really, and mm-hmm. and it's like wow, this is. I remember when I saw this back in this app, and now it's like a either a design or an interaction pattern that is just baked into the operating system. Yeah. Um, so you know that's I guess the blessing and the, and the curse of developing something for someone else's platform is that you know it's cool that you can influence a wider change on the operating system but yeah they're also going to steal your idea (laughs) if they're (laughs) smart about it yeah (laughs) yeah do you Um, think that'll i guess that's you're saying that that's possibly where the future goes Mm. Mm -hmm. I, i i would i would think so i mean um like this is it's an interesting like this is i don't know this is a very cynical take of mine when it comes to like like your your apples and your googles and 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 stuff like that like i mean i guess especially apple um and i i mean i don't i don't really have a strong opinion about their products like you know they're popular and good and you know i'm not against that or debating it but one thing i one thing my cynical brain tells me is like you know apple is very big um, not that this is new, but even to even more so these days, they're very big on privacy and mm-hmm. you know making sure you know your data is yours and and Apple is there for you, the customer, and all that kind of stuff. And um, you know this is like the the most cynicalist like take I could have as like an old, <laughs> not old, but like you know a grumpy white guy is that uh, <laughs> like their push for privacy and things like that is is purely for their commercial benefit you know um i mean they they can be absolutely truthful in their aim to want to protect people's data and you know ensure that uh you know who like you know i don't know who like tsa or ice or whatever problematic american agency wants to get a hold of your data on your device like they're like no we're gonna put in measures to like make like at least outwardly you don't know really what happens in the background but right you know a lot of their marketing and 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 culture is of their products is built around like we're safe we're doing this for you like please trust us you know um and you know companies change (laughs) and apple apple is one of those companies that have changed the least in terms of their their principles which is great but i always look at that stuff and i'm just like i is it like is it is what's what's best the better the devil you know or or (laughs) like is, is it better to know is it better to know oh yeah these people are using my data and i can then make the decision on whether i want to give it to them or not or you trust a company that tells you they're not using your data and then oops here's here's <laughs> some here's some investigative journalist that figures out they actually are using it in a way that they said they weren't like yeah. and you know i have no reason to believe that apple are doing that but it's just it's a i think it's a thought that many people don't have this day and age they're just like you know this company's the good guys and they would never do anything bad to hurt me the customer um right and, and it's like, well, they're a massive company that is trying to make even more money. <laughs> yeah. You know, at the, at the end of the day. Do you think that with with maybe everybody kind of taking a step back mm. at things, do you think maybe like um, websites 
that that charge you to look at their articles i think i might even tweet about this like if you're going to sell my information whatever information you're scraping be it as much as it may be however big or small it is like is that not enough do i really got to pay you guys four dollars five dollars this month to look at this just this one article i wanted to see you know yeah um like explicitly with um like journalism and stuff like that you mean or yeah yeah um it's it's the advertising model itself it's like this seems clunky now yeah it's it's interesting right like when you look at a a like a reputable news source i mean i mean or any news source like you're always kind of holding your breath being like is there going to be a pop-up is there going to be a pop-up yeah. can i actually read the, can i read this article or not um, yeah. or can i only read half of it um <laughs> right and i don't yeah i don't i don't i'm not i'm honestly not sure uh, like what the best answer is there like mm-hmm. at the end of the day i think it's important for like news and especially you know reputable and vetted news to not um to be available as much as possible to the public right mm. like you know at the end of the day uh like you know if you go to a website there's a paywall and to read some i don't know new york times article for example i don't know if they have a paywall but mm. like that's like uh you know depending on what the article is whether it's opinion or an investigative piece like that's potential information someone wants to learn about that is now locked right Mm -hmm. whereas with older technology you could essentially go to your library and just read the paper without buying it and or or something right and no one's no one's blocking you and asking you to pay so Mm -hmm. um i understand that like putting ads and stuff and selling data uh like or potentially selling people's data through advertising like it's there's i guess a positivity to it only because it makes the information available and not hidden behind an additional payment but um yeah i don't know it's 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 an interesting kind of dilemma in a way um because obviously you want journalists who are doing great work to be paid and and to ensure that they're continuing to do great work but um I mean, I'm sure those journalists also want the work that they're doing to actually be seen by people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, like, what's the point of what's the point of doing some investigative report when no one sees it? You know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it. It's a mix of. Again, it's a mix of these these companies. I mean, you know, a newspaper is a business, and they have, I assume, shareholders or certain targets or some kind of numbers they need to meet and a combination of doing the more subscription, the classic subscription model, which, you know, you'd get with your old school, you know, Sunday or weekly paper or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I don't know. I'm sure they're just trying to find like, what's the good middle ground, you know? Um, and for the consumer, um, at the end of the day, I think we're only seeing the negative impact of just like this thing is freely accessible um it's it's like it feels like more effort given how easy it is to find articles and news it feels like more effort to pay for a subscription at a paywall than it would i guess back in the day of like signing up for a newspaper and then having them trickle in or something 
Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, there's a mental model there that it feels like more work to pay for this article that I got to so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an industry I know very little about. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just thinking of, um, I don't know, man, I, I went to school yeah. for graphic design, but I find myself super interested in the technology side of, of stuff and how yeah. things work. Cause you know, one of the things I had to do was I worked for, um, um, it was like a, it was like a steakhouse, kind of like bar <laughs> brew pub. And okay. it was very local to my state and they had like 12 or 13 different locations mm. and they had Facebook, Twitter and Instagram accounts for all of these locations. And, oh man. And they all do things different, slightly differently on different nights. Yeah. And they all have placemats that have <laughs> all of the information of everything. Oh <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. And so like, you know, I had like two fonts you know one photo of each food item yeah and you know red white and blue were the colors and that was <laughs> and i had to come up with new stuff over and, and it was to, for me it was just like i think i like graphic design but whatever this is this isn't it for me. Like, <laughs> like, yeah right i mean it, it's like i think all designers like to like to say you know optimistically that their work is problem solved right like right. whether it's like traditional graphic design you know your problem is communicating something clearly or if it's making a you know digital product or app or something it's like you know also still communicating it clearly but then you have to like make it easy to use and, and mm-hmm. things like that and right. yeah i mean in that in, in that case right like i could i i've been in situations where i've had to do stuff like that and it's um I mean, you know, design's a job at the end of the day, and, yeah. and sometimes jobs jobs suck. But mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, you, e- even in a case like that, you're like trying to squeeze out some drop of like objectivity to like help you get through this, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and this is like, I think I think the other side of it is like, even if there is some objectivity there, at the end of the day, you have to care about it, right? right. Like, you know. Um, you know, it's not like the, the problem with the design being a job, I think, is it's not it's also not particularly it's not mindless. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, like we've all stacked shelves somewhere at, at a supermarket somewhere in our lives, I'm sure. And it's like, you know, you can kind of detach from that in a way because it's it's very it doesn't it's not dynamic. It's like I stack shelves and then the shelves empty and then I stack shelves. Again, yeah. You know, <laughs> whereas design, it's like you know, not only are you going to be judged subjectively on the work that you do, but you're also trying to like find the constraints within the problem to actually create the solution. And if you don't care about anything you're doing regarding the problem, yeah. then it's like, then it's like, I can't, I just can't think, I can't be creative here. Like, you right. know, it's, I think that's really the, like in, when we're all, when we've been in situations like that, I think that's where, like why we hit a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what makes me think that in the future, that's where the algorithm, somebody smart enough is going to figure out how to implement somebody's mm-hmm. style guides, like mm-hmm. use a style guide kind of like as your algorithm. So like, okay, here's 500 versions of all you can eat wings. You guys pick it. <laughs> the computer did it for you. You didn't need a human to do that part, you know? Like, <laughs> Oh, that, I mean, 
Honestly, I would love to see some kind of like. So you've heard of um. Hopefully, I get it right. Is it G GPT three? Um, the like there's a generative. Uh, there's some machine learning kind of algorithm that's gotten real popular on social media. That's um, I think it's called GTP three, and it's it's basically allowing people to do all sorts of different types of processing with textual content, like text and and stuff. So someone made a like trained a gpt3 model to basically write javascript um wow. based on based on a pure like a natural language sentence so you could type out i want to make the button i i want to make the green button clickable and then it will just render the job like output the javascript code that equates to a green button that's clickable and it, it like actually it actually works too wow um and uh, someone also um, used GTP3 for um, like design as well. So like, I want to make I want to make a website with centered text that uses Helvetica or something, and it would just like, I mean, often it would never make anything that's great or, or <laughs> like useful, but it still makes it like. Wow, um, it's like asking and, Siri to do your design work. <laughs> exactly um it's it's uh and and because of that i think there's been some discussions recently in the the tech industry of just like are we gonna get you know like are we gonna start feeling like i don't know like a truck driver or a coal miner where it's like our industry is either like no Mm -hmm. longer gonna be existing or uh we're gonna be uh pushed out by robots or or something right right? Um, yeah um, which, you know, I, I think for better or for worse is, I don't know. It's for me, it's just like heat death of the universe. It's like, it's going to come. We just need to like know how to adapt to it. And right. <laughs> like, like, uh, you know, if, if my, if my job becomes irrelevant, there'll be other, there'll be new things enabled because of exactly. my job now being irrelevant. Right. Yes. Um, so, um, and one, one thing I'll actually share, like with based on your interest in like, like uh, generative design and, and stuff like that, there's a, there's a designer or, or a couple of designers I follow that um, I think they're based across the US and, and Europe, but um, trying to find their names. Hmm. One of them, one of their names is Adam Morse. Um, I, I remember, but um, the website is components.ai and basically it's like, it's, I, I think it's a, uh, like a company of theirs, but they're basically trying to figure out new experimental ways using GTP3 and other things to actually create UI and like layouts and, and stuff like that yeah. using generative technologies. Okay. I yeah. I think I just stumbled across this this stuff this past week. Um, oh, is, really? Okay. Does this dude have a podcast? And did he interview Larry Sistrom from Inst- the guy that uh, they, co-created? They, they, I mean, designers are known to have podcasts, so, so that's it's a lot of like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because um, he had Larry on, and he was talking about that. Is, is it CPT three? GTP three, yeah, GT. yeah. Because he uses it for um his site it's called rt.live and i guess it's some kind of like covid tracking thing 
He's like, I'm not trying to predict the future. I'm just trying to report what we what actually happened correctly. That sounds gnarly. Yeah. Like, this yeah, sounds like it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so what kind of stuff are you up to these days? Are you... Um, kind of, you know, I'd say trying my best to take it easy mm-hmm. uh, while, while kind of everything <laughs> everything on the world stage kind of sorts itself out i bet i guess um right, yeah. you know uh you know i i will say that i'm i'm preparing to go next month i'm preparing to go vote at uh both um for uh the election in new zealand and the united states so that's oh, wow. that's going to be that's going to be a fun month um reading up on at least in the case of the New Zealand, I got to read up on a couple of policies. But uh, mm-hmm. no, really, I mean, more seriously, it's just like, you know, COVID and and the whole situation. It's it's really, I think for a lot of people, um, you know, obviously a lot of people are kind of put in positions they would rather not be in because of the current situation. But mm-hmm. um, either way, it's really, um, I think, reprioritized for a lot of people what matters in life and um you know not not that uh i had really thought this way for a long time especially since leaving the united states but i'm i've been totally out of this you know mentality of like design as a career in terms of like growth and like you know i've got to always be going up the next level of Mm -hmm. the the design ladder and you know I don't know if, I, I don't know if like you can really seriously say like becoming some kind of thought leader in design is like a realistic goal or a or a pot like a a positive goal to even try and achieve but like I'm definitely like for whatever part of me used to think that was what one should do it's definitely not that now yeah and it's like yeah I saw you uh I don't know if you posted or retweeted it something about like yeah. people putting their whole person their whole personality as design. Is that what you're talking about there? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, like I, I think, I think now, um, more, more now than ever, it's like, it's important to like not take design too seriously in, in regards to, um, I don't know this, I think like the work that we do as designers, I think is important, but, there's a lot of there's a lot of thinking that comes out of the design industry in that like oh this thing failed because it didn't it didn't have good design or it mm-hmm. didn't think about design or something right like i saw i was trying i was thinking about this this morning because i knew it would probably come up but i think at the start of the pandemic there was an article in like fast co design like i think i think that's the the name of the blog if i remember mm-hmm. and um it was like you know this was at the cusp of like the outbreak in in china and everything and it was like you know seven lessons design thinking could help like could help uh, or you know seven lessons on how design thinking could help the pandemic and it's like you kind of look at that article now and after the last six months and you're like that's like the most wankiest like up up its own ass like kind of way of thinking and it's like yes there are sure like ways that design thinking can research some different industries or some 
ways to solve a problem but it's like you know i think there's a problem with design that it that it uh and you know this is a generalization so i hope no one takes offense to it but like um we consider ourselves incredibly self-important <laughs> as designers in, in yeah. especially in the tech industry and it's like you know it, it, there's a lot of smart people that are probably actually good designers that don't consider themselves designers in industries that many designers will never be a part of you know and um so for myself like you know this is probably a natural progression as one gets older but it's just like yeah i'm gonna be less i'm i'm less kind of obsessed with like design as this religion that needs to be evangelized and Mm -hmm. because there are so many other people that are uninformed and i have to make them informed somehow it's just like you know design is a is like you know it's a thing that can help a lot of people and a lot of industries but it's not the end or be all of a solution you know and um you know both as an industry and and both as like individually like you know always thinking about uh i don't know how how i can influence a project as a designer and like it's all up to me because i have skills and no one else like that that kind of thinking becomes like can become common in design industry and it's Mm -hmm. it's just like yeah i i've taken over the last like five years a good step back and i'm just like i'm not i'm not worried about how much influence i have anymore i just want to make sure from my position of influence within a project or a community or or what have you that i do right by the people i'm working with and leave it at that you know Mm -hmm. it's not it's not it's not like a it's not a situation where design always has to win (laughs) you know what i mean you know um so yeah that's i guess a long way of saying like i've definitely become uh adverse to like or or you know distancing myself from like what design is and and just knowing it's a methodology but knowing it's also not the end or be all of everything and um as designers the more we actually um realize that design is about synthesis and learning a lot of things about the world and society and and things that aren't insular to design Hmm. that's actually when we become better designers is like our ability to understand um and empathize with the world around us Hmm. um so the more you can distance yourself from design explicitly i think the better you'll be (laughs) cool what kind of uh, projects are you currently working on if you're allowed to share yeah um i mean right now uh um like you know uh in terms of where i work and what i do these days like uh i guess job wise i i work for a startup called rainforest that basically makes um uh a some software that can help automate um i guess testing of software so it's like we'll make you we make an application that helps you test applications is is the best way I can describe it. Um, which is like, it's quite an interesting technical problem and, um, the company itself is completely remote. So, um, we don't have an office and, uh, we have people, you know, basically, you know, in Asia Pacific, in North America in Europe. So it's, it's a pretty fast spread out company, which makes it pretty interesting. Um, um, but then on the, on the side, I mean, I'm always kind of digging into 
programming and and learning new new skill sets when it comes to like creating things on the web and, mm. and things like that you know i mentioned that components.ai stuff like yeah. that's the kind of i'm not doing anything close to that but like that's the kind of stuff i love reading about and learning about um and you know just harnessing technology and and the openness of the web to like try new things um mm -hmm. you know and i mean i will say one thing i've been thinking about lately um in in talking with you know the friends and stuff like that is like building more tools for um i guess collaboration on the web is like i think that's like i mean you can see it now uh these days like with covid and and people maybe more more people working remotely like the use of like the need for collaboration and easy collaboration across the web is is becoming uh you know a more and more sought after thing so it's it's definitely a um you know it's been top of mind of myself and and in terms of learning about the space and thinking about ideas that could um help uh you know contribute to making collaboration easier but um you know it's it's all just like messing around and, and mm -hmm. playing with ideas nothing nothing real serious so um cool yeah just keeps keeps the brain active you know yeah <laughs> you uh yeah. you started uh or not started but a while back you created an account i think it was a twitter account that just would post like products was that was that like a, an algorithm based thing or were you posting those manually that that was me <laughs> that okay. was just me posting it manually it was it's like the nice thing the interesting thing about twitter um and you know there are a few positive things these days to say about twitter i feel like <laughs> but um you can kind of like use it for whatever you want in a way yeah. which makes it quite like a blessing and a curse i guess and like it's cool that you can kind of just create a new twitter account and it's like this is a themed twitter account and you know you have the like what is it we rate dogs twitter account or like you know kind of meme accounts like that but you could also just make it like oh this is just a list of stuff that i like and i'm just gonna post it as this curated list and if people want to subscribe to it, it like follow it they can you know yeah. and i actually did that on my own uh personal twitter for some time i've just had a i had a a continuously growing thread of music and it, i would just like always reply to my own tweet of for like whatever song i was listening to and it it made a list like it made a twitter thread that was so long it spanned like three years or something Holy shit. um that twitter just refused to render all of it wow. <laughs> it, was, it was just like yeah we're not gonna bother like figuring out what order this is all in because our, our algorithms fucked it up anyway but, um <laughs> yeah that, like that that's a cool thing you can use twitter for right yeah. it's, it's like oh i just have an interest or a a topic of something i want to share and it, there's ways to like compartmentalize that and share mm. it openly with people so um yeah no i i never yeah i was never smart enough to make some kind of algorithmically <laughs> based like product sharing thing no, i mean wow. i'm sure it's possible but no it's uh sounds like hard work <laughs> yeah um one of the things i really liked about twitter when it first started was mm -hmm. like it was the group chat because there was no group chat you know yeah so yeah so me working at the grocery store and my other buddy in san diego that's working at walmart yeah. we can all bitch about our jobs together and that was like 
the fun part of it. And then the other part, yes. at the same time that I enjoyed that part, the other part I enjoyed was the SMS capabilities. Yeah. So like, I don't have to look at a news feed and get bombarded. I could just maybe say what I want to say yeah. and then, and then that's it, drop it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with the new iOS update, there's like, Oh, mm-hmm. shortcuts. So like, mm-hmm. Oh, so like, um, when I, I'll tap on this button. So the first thing, like my phone goes off, changes these settings, starts playing music. And I was yeah. like, it can send text. Cool. I'm going to have it send a text to Twitter just cause I want to see if this automation will work. Oh, right. Yeah. And it works. No, Twitter oh, apparently oh. <laughs> had stopped the SMS thing like years ago. Oh man. That's a bummer. <laughs> to me, I thought that was the strongest part about Twitter because it gave a lot of like maybe underdeveloped countries a chance to really pop off and be like, yo, th- there's something not cool happening right now. And yep. like, they didn't need Wi-Fi to do it. Yeah. But, yeah. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Like SMS, I think like it's, it's almost like, I don't know. I, I don't know how pro- prolific it is still like in, in like the rest of the world. Um, I mean, I do know like 10 years ago, I would hear things like, um, you know, in certain countries where you have a lot of, uh, like, like countries in Africa where you have a lot of remote communities or remote farming communities or whatever, mm-hmm. SMS was actually incredibly powerful for stuff like banking, um, or, or transferring of money because, you know, wow. uh, you know, it's, you know, you want to, you want to buy something to have delivered to your, you know, remote farm or whatever. You can't send them cash. You don't have maybe, like you have a credit card, but you don't have a web browser. Like, you know, you have a bank and you have SMS. You can maybe just set up a transfer, direct transfer or a wire transfer using your phone and texting. And, um, like, I don't know if it's still a thing, but, uh, that that was, I, I definitely had heard, um, of technology like that. And yeah, I don't know. SMS is like one of those interesting things. Like, could, could there be like a revival of SMS just because every phone, every phone doesn't not have SMS. Like right, exactly. you might, you might have to, you might have to pay for it differently. Uh, like depending on your service provider, but like all phones support SMS. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't have to build an app. You, yeah. you just like build the server. Right. It's, it's kind of an interesting technology. Yeah. It's super broad. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe that's an idea for <laughs> you to start working on. Shit. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I got. I got to figure something out over here. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm stitching my my face off, sewing sewing a bunch of things. Oh yeah, man. I I wanted to take a moment too to just say like I I mean you know we we've been kind of like passively I guess following each other for like a number of years now. Like I I don't know how long <laughs> we've kind of been talking on and off on Twitter. Like hmm. it could be ten years for all I know, but it's probably like you know five or six or something but i gotta say like you're you're the, like i don't know what you whether you call it your business or it's just like a side thing or mm-hmm. however you however you think about it but like it's it's always really um impressive and like motivating to see like this little you know i guess brand of sorts that you've developed and you know how how good it looks and and i mean i haven't tried any of the products obviously but how how it looks and feels but it has this great like homegrown vibe about it that you just like 
you just love to see, you know, and, and, um, yeah, I I think it's like, like for myself, you know, people, people might look at, you know, oh, wow, you worked at this tech company or you lived in this country. Like, Hmm. you know, that's one experience, but I see folks like yourself who just have this nice, like slow little thing they're working on and it's very crafted and cultivated and like, I find that stuff incredibly impressive. So I just, cool. I did want to take a moment to say like, um, you know, for whatever you might think about it, like I, I see the stuff you're doing and I'm like, this is like, it's so pure, you know, huh. and, and it's, it's really nice to see. Thanks man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, cool. So yeah. so, yeah. You've been super generous with your time, man. I, I really appreciate you being able to sit down and chat with me. Yeah, um, no worries. I mean, Saturday morning, I'm not, it's either do this or like clean my living room. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're, you know? <laughs> you're coming at me from the future over there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Um, Is there any uh, last things you wanted to shoot shoot the shit about or? Um, I mean, no, not particularly. I just wanted, yeah, I wanted to make sure I I kind of said a little bit of something about you know, uh, you know, your little the 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 kind of things you had going because yeah, I know. I know like a lot of your like the podcasts and uh like i've watched a few previous episodes um just just to get a feel for things and Mm -hmm. uh you know it's either like i guess like folks you know in the community or 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 close friends and Mm -hmm. um you know i did want to take the moment to just uh you know put it back on you and be like you know the shit you're doing is like real good and and you know keep at it because like I don't know if many people say that to you, but uh, I definitely wanted to. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I, a lot of times I'm just sitting here plugging away, and yeah. the only time I can really tell is if an order comes through. Most of the time, yeah. certainly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, you ride you ride road bikes, right? You, you're pretty into cycling. Yeah, I I ride I ride fixed gear. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, nothing nothing too serious. I mean, mm-hmm. I have like a um, like a Fuji. Mm-hmm. Um, fixed gear, um, kind of got really into fixed gear riding when I was in Japan because, um, despite it, like Tokyo, at least being a hugely me- densely populated place, it's really good for bike riding. Mm-hmm. Um, like within the city, they have like an incredibly low tra- uh, traffic speed. So despite it being dense, you can actually get around fairly easily. Right. Um, right. and the biking culture in Japan even if it's more casual or, uh, uh, like, um, less kind of like a stylistic choice and a very functional, just daily life kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like you'd see maybe in some European countries, like it's, it's just everywhere. Um, so it made it very easy to get into, to bike riding. And again, and I, I still love riding fixed because, you know, it's just less to think about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I would love to have some incredibly, hard out you know you know carbon you know carbon decked out like road bike or whatever to go on a you know 100 kilometer plus ride and but at the same time i just i love the simplicity and 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 the i don't know the feeling that comes with riding a fixed gear bike and it it really makes you feel like a kid again you know Mm. um and uh you know i wish it i wish it was a little cheaper but uh (laughs) yeah yeah wow i i tried messing around on those before and i Mm. i can't i like coasting too much i guess yeah yeah i mean 
I, I see, uh, like, one... Uh, I don't know where in the United States they are, but um, there's a... I don't know if it's a collective or whatever uh, uh, called... Is it FOAD? F-O-A-D? Um, on on uh, YouTube, and they're like a fixed-gear freestyle um, oh, right. kind of collective or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they, like, have their own merch or whatever, so, I mean, sorry if I'm directing people to that, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, they got they got some cool stuff. But I see them like riding, you know, I don't know what like the the style of bike it is, but it's like it's between like a fixed gear road bike and a traditional BMX frame. Like it's like a large BMX, right? right. Um, kind of frame. And um, you know, they're riding fixed and 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 like doing tricks and like like not like tail whips and and crazy stuff like that, but you know, bar spins and and you know yeah doing 180s and stuff like that but like the fact that your pedals are locked and like you're just gonna do whatever your wheel <laughs> does it's it's like like you know doing tricks on a bmx is like risky enough but it's like let's add this element of <laughs> like like yeah you know your, your feet are gonna get ripped out from under you if you're not careful it's it's mm. pretty crazy but um i don't know they they make it look hella easy um yeah and you know I'm I'm happy to watch at a distance. I'm not I'm not out here doing tricks on my fixed gear. <laughs> right on. Recently, yeah. I um I had this guy hit me up. He's he's from Baltimore, like a, mm. a state south, and um he's he's kitting out bikes for other people. Mm-hmm. So these are like bigger bikes. I guess they're usually like single speed. Mm-hmm. Some people call them like wheelie bikes because like. Mm-hmm. You always see the kids in the neighborhood pedaling, like. Yeah. But um, it was like the the, the sprocket on the front mm. was just one gear, but on the back he had a gear changer on everything, so it looked like a BMX bike front half, but in the back there was gears huh. to change, and it was a BMX sprocket on the front, and I was like, I oh. didn't even think you could do that. Holy shit, that's kind of cool. <laughs> like, but he hit me up to make the pad set to match oh. the the big nice. kit, so I was like, all right, cool. So. Damn that's cool yeah. uh what do, what do you think about the proli- the proliferation of like electric bikes and all that kind of stuff like <laughs> if that's what people want to get into i mean yeah yeah you you, you can't you can't go into that just pretending it's going to be safe and gumdrops mm-hmm. you know you still gotta yep. be have your wits about you because you can really get yep. got and i think the being able to just walk on an electronic device, the, the comfort that that just gave you might give you a little too much comfort yeah. when you have yeah. to swerve around something. Exactly. Did you see those like mono wheel things that they have? Like, uh, what, like a, like the hoverboard stuff that you stand on or it's, it's like a hoverboard except it's only one uh, wheel and there's like these little yeah. flippers that steal like metal plates flip down and you stand huh. on it. Yeah. Like you stand on it and it just uh, goes. I've yeah no I have I have seen, um, yeah that's the kind of shit you would see in San Francisco. Really? <laughs> like you would have, you would have like your old school fixie goons mm-hmm. and then your tech bros with their like boosted boards and then those like, you know like you said the crazy enhanced hoverboard type things. Yeah. Um, that's it's like a. It looks like a mag wheel with like like a place to stand on the side of it, right? Like it's yeah. this real 
intimidating looking. Well, there's two. Tire. I've seen one where it looks like a skateboard with a giant wheel in the center. Mm-hmm. I've seen those. Those are more common. But what I what I yeah. am telling you about, I saw on YouTube. I went through this whole like, I was watching <laughs> product reviews. I'm not. I'm never gonna buy one. I just wanted to see how it worked because this dude was yeah. like explain how rugged it was and i actually liked the way it looked style yeah. style wise it was like a knobby tire with like this mm. metal frame around it like it's meant to be banged up and yeah. oh my god it looks like it's hard as shit to ride but and he's like <laughs> he's like purposely trying to make it mess up and he's like tilting all kinds of crazy ways and he like there's like a it had to have been some some country i forget where but it was like a nice little water feature in the sidewalk mm. And he hopped it on one of these little mono wheel things. Damn. And he picks it up. He's, he's like, this thing weighs 70 pounds. It's like, Jeez. he goes down steps with it. I was blown away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty intense. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, yeah, I would never consider myself like a, a risk-seeking person. And when I see stuff like that, like, you know, I mean, there's one thing. It's like, oh, learning to, you know, do a do a kickflip or ollie off like a, a sidewalk that that's like there's that and then there's like the extreme of like i'm gonna have this insane electric motor between yeah. my feet and you know go i don't know how many kilometers an hour that thing would go but more than it should probably yeah like. if you can trip and fall and, and bust your head open you know yeah on a skateboard then. Yeah. you can really get get got that's for sure yeah i agree well um, all right jonathan um i think it's probably time for me to head out probably time for you to yeah of course clean the kitchen or something you know yeah exactly <laughs> well, time, time to do the only thing i do on the weekend is just do some cleaning nice get some zen <laughs> time in you know exactly yeah wicked yeah. well uh you know appreciate appreciate the invite and having me on and and having a chat um like i said after all these years it's great to finally finally properly catch up yeah same same <laughs> yeah yeah i was like awesome. i wanted to have a designer on i'm like who do i know i'm like fuck i'm gonna ask that jonathan guy i wonder if he would be down because <laughs> like you got some good takes on twitter man i i gotta say i'm a fan <laughs> so no oh, i appreciate it i yeah uh i cool. i try but you know <laughs> i'm also trying to use twitter less so yeah. there's that <laughs> yeah we're all trying to right Agreed. All right, man. All right. Take it easy. Cool. Take care. Enjoy your evening, man. You too. Thank you. I need to break the code. Tell me where the way.
Thank you. 